Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And I'm recording from a little tiny house <laughs> in the English countryside. I came here to get away. Well, you'll be completely fine, good sir. No harm will come your way as a straight, as a white male. <laughs> Yeah, maybe how there'll dare be some you almost classify me as straight maybe, rude. Maybe you'll face some trauma there. What are we know. back in season one of our podcast? I know. I forgot for a minute. Rude. <laughs> Protecting your identity. Um yeah. So we're talking about men. Uh not in the general sense, though we have been known to do that. Yes. Um but the movie produced not by... Not me as a straight person, but <laughs> no, you. No, no, no. Not you as a straight, not you as a gay. Um, it's A24's newest horror, prestige horror, if you will. Um, According men. to Wikipedia, it's folk horror. Oh, yeah, I didn't even horror. realize it was a genre. But I know. Surprise. <laughs> <Who knew? laughs> the folk, pre- the prestige folk horror from Alex... Uh, Garland. Garland. Who is... Most famous for Annihilation, which I actually enjoyed. You did not. Hated it. And which is sort of like another women-centric film um, where these women choose to go on the suicide mission into this weird, I don't know, whatever. It, it's very much like, it's very it, it has similar, yeah, it's kind of, it's not folk horror because it's sci-fi, but it has like similar ominous, like, oh, what's happening, tension building, weirdness. He also did Ex Machina, which was his first um and biggest directorial uh, choice. But yeah. he also wrote for like different movies like 28 Days Later, uh, which I loved. And so he's like been around. He's a pretty established voice in the horror, sci-fi, drama space. And he also, this... just randomly, oh, yeah. one wrote the novel The Beach, which... Oh. Um, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie was based off of where it's like this secret beach and Tilda Swinton is in it. And it's like this cult and they all live together on this beach and they can't oh. tell other people about it. It's not oh, good. Oh yeah. 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 Like old, old, old. Yes. <laughs> and then he also wrote the script for never let me go, which is actually like oh. one of the best movies ever. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I've liked a lot of his stuff. And frankly, when I saw this title, I was like, Hmm, color me intrigued. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, interesting. And I honestly, I didn't know he was writing or directing it at the time. I didn't pay attention to that. And I wrongly assumed that this was a story coming from a woman. <laughs> so color me surprised. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. to set this up. Oh, please. Do I, try. I went to, uh, you know, I love A24 and I love horror movies. I did not like Annihilation, but, you know, um, I think I think had I seen Annihilation having not read the books, yeah. I might have liked it. But I loved the books and the movies <laughs> were doing very different things. And so I just yes. hated it. Just doing um, better things. <laughs> yes. I am a joke. And the... <laughs> so... A24 invited me to a screening of this, which Ooh. I did not realize was like the New York 
premiere sort of screening. Oh, it was wow. at an Alamo Draft House. We had food. Um, like Maggie Gyllenhaal was there. Michaela Cole was there. Um, Alex Garland. Uh, well, like the whole the um cast and crew and stuff were there, and then oh. lots of journalists and things. So it was it was a a very like buzzy screening. Um, oh. and we watched the movie, and I did not love it. And <laughs> oh, then gosh. afterwards there was a talk back where I th- will get into more as we go on and talk about like what actually happens in the film. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the director slash writer, Alex Garland, cause he is the sole credit for both. Um, was able to answer the question of why are you making this film and why now in any real way and sort of got very flustered and prickly when people sort of asked him that, Um, which is interesting because I guess surprising (laughs) to set up what the film is about this woman who played by Jesse Buckley who was in The Lost Daughter and Fargo. She's, I feel like, has been in a lot of stuff. You'd probably recognize her even if you don't know her name. Um, she plays a, what is she, an author? I don't think her uh, job's ever described. She does okay. something with money for a split second. Gotcha. She's She uh, had a tumultuous encounter with her ex-boyfriend, husband. <laughs> Um, Here, let me set it up, okay? Um, we find out her husband, it's her husband, yes. commits suicide. Uh, it's either he fell or he committed suicide. We don't know what. And she decides yes. to go on a healing journey to the countryside to spend a fortnight um, finding herself, enjoying the solitude, and right. recentering her life after this trauma, which we see play out through flashbacks. Um, but we don't really know what it is or how it happened initially. Right, Yeah. Yeah, it's just we see him. We see him fall from the balcony. They make eye contact. She's traumatized. Flees to the country. In like sepia tone flashback. They're very. <laughs> yeah. It's very orange. It's yes. Very, yes. Orange, you know, is meant to bring out the the tension. You're never settled in an orange room. If you mm. care about color theory, it's meant to. It creates this sort of uh, antsy energy in your space and so i think that was an intentional but albeit weird uh color choice (laughs) what is it losing you is blue like i never (laughs) knew she does not fit (laughs) in orange into the song but maybe in the follow-up um but yeah and so instantly she's in this beautiful countryside she goes to her house she takes an apple from the garden and meets her landlord who's um played by rory kinnear uh as sort of this kind of another character actor who i feel like everyone would like recognize but i never knew his name yes i didn't either and he in the twist that you find out in the trailers is he plays every single man in the town so he'll like change costumes characters whatever but he's the actor portraying all of them and so the landlord is there and he's kind of this like awkward quote-unquote very country guy who's trying to be nice but comes off as very uh discomforting yeah Yeah. and so i don't know things just start it's very much like atmospheric it's meant to be very creepy uh, anxiety inducing she's wandering the woods alone and you know something's gonna happen and then she ends up 
running into this tunnel. <laughs> okay, I just like we can break down the plot honestly because it's pretty simplistic, and I she, she basically like she's in the country. Things get more and more ominous. She runs into various versions of Rory Kinnear until she's sort of like accosted in her home in a large, you know, oh bloody sort of yeah horror film grand just, finale. Moment. Yeah, just bought so much body horror. I hated this movie. I frankly, it was I like- knew you would. <laughs> It was like watching the Joker over again. Like I was physically upset to be in that chair. I was by the end of it, by the last 30 minutes, I was literally like, I didn't care how loud I was being, but I was like scoffing and being like gross and like, oh my gosh. And like talking loudly. I was in a, a pretty small theater, so it didn't matter. But I physically was annoyed by every single choice made in this film. And I felt like it was so condescending the way he presented this issue because it's very much a metaphor, an allegory, a folk tale about toxic masculinity and misogyny and the patriarchy and what women have to endure at the hands of men, both good men and bad men, the the obvious bad and the, the microaggressions that come from good men. And it was just like, nothing subtle about this movie and that made me so irritated because it felt like surface level and yet he wanted applause for every like hard choice he made or something I don't know I I was oh so against this film from the get-go I liked the I think it's there are parts of it that are very beautifully shot. The scene where she's like wandering in the woods and mm-hmm. there's sort of like this sense of her boating and she goes into this tunnel and there's echoes. And then she's like sort of being chased, but you can't tell if she's like actually being chased or if someone's just sort of like walking behind her, or if there's no yeah. one. I thought that that whole sequence was very, very well done. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of, uh, I because that happens like so early in the movie or I don't know maybe in like the first half oh yeah and I liked that sequence I kept sort of expecting the movie to like write itself and yeah like it would there were moments that were sort of like eh, or kind of like cringy or weird like she's talking to Rory Kinnear as a child she's talking to this <laughs> creepy version of a priest like yeah but it it didn't feel like I liked that early scene so much that I was like, okay, like hopefully this sort of comes around to something. Right. And then once it gets into the final <laughs> moments, I was like, oh no, this is like the whole last sequence. I was like, this is ridiculous and a disaster and terrible. And the I think that there are things that he thought were so, so, mm. so clever. Yeah. And I was like, this is not nearly as clever as you think it is. Oh, absolutely not. And it was awkward sitting in the theater because I was with one of my friends and we were both sort of like, this isn't good. <laughs> but then like, you know, you don't know like who you're sitting next yeah. to. It could like the people who made it are in the room. Right. And, and then afterwards there's this talk back and it, it, it's, 
yeah, it's like, this isn't great. And I have a lot of questions, but every time they sort of asked him a question of like, why did you make this movie? He's like, well, uh," like he either gave a really strange answer or he kept punting questions to Jesse Buckley as like, well, she's the woman on the stage. Like let her answer this. Oh, she's a real collaborator. It's like, but you were the one, like, I believe that she did collaborate to a certain degree, but it's like, you're the one who chose to make this. You're the one who has the original vision, who has mm-hmm. the final vision. Like, this is all you're doing. And you're Alex Garland, who's had a lot of successes. So yeah, you get to do whatever you want. And because you have done these great things, actors will agree to be in your movie. Um, like, they're not going to question it. But at the same time, I was like, why? Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, like, who's it for? Like, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to change? Or, like, what conversation are you trying to have? Because it feels so patronizing exactly because every single woman in the universe can be like, yeah, men can be scary. And it's like, that's we've had to fight for hashtags like, yes, all women or whatever, and me too, and all of this. And then this guy comes, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, what if I made men scary? And it's like, okay. And like, I just, it was so frustrating because it felt like he, there was nothing he was adding to a conversation that women have been trying to have for, you know, centuries about how, men behave and how the little things can build into this sort of uh, tension and anxiety that that manifests itself in violence often and so it's just like it felt so much like style over substance like it was just he wanted to shoot a pretty movie and like whoa wouldn't this be a clever conceit but he never had to like dig into the I don't know, content of what he was trying to say. And so by the end, it was just so knock you over the head with something we have all already established is like happening. And so it's like, was he making this for men to finally feel scared? Like, because I don't think men are rushing to like see this. And I don't think men would see themselves in the subtlety. They'd just be distracted by the body gore in the second half. And so it's like, I just... Well, I was so irritated watching it. a film bro movie. Like, I think more men are going to see this than women would go and see yeah. this. But well, I, more men are enjoying it than women are. I'll tell yeah. you that much. The, like, I don't want to say that, oh, if you're a man, you can't make a movie about this issue. Because I do oh, yeah. think that there are people who have done it well. Like, I was thinking about Midsommar and how I think that movie in some ways does what this movie is attempting to do in a much better way of like the boyfriend and his friends are terrible people. And it's sort of like through the slow unraveling in this horror situation that you realize like, Oh yeah, no, the boyfriend is bad. And, and even though he sort of seems like a good guy in a lot of ways, he's actually not. And even ex machina does the same thing where it's like, Oh, it's a good guy. Oh, he's the hero. But then you realize, Oh, he's wanting to save her for his own purposes and we should be rooting for the robot <laughs> to right win. so i like believe yeah i believe but, men are capable of nuance and like toxic masculinity is a male issue but this just felt like it felt like hard to watch as a woman because it was still violating women like it was just jesse buckley having to endure like pain and uh 
insecurity and anxiety and eventual torture because we need to remind the world that men are toxic like i don't know (laughs) well and none of the men are really like nuanced characters they're all very cartoony so it's like oh the pedophile priest is a bad person like duh um Oh, the, the kid wants to play hide and seek and then says, bitch. Like, it's yeah. just they're lacking not, so much nuance. Yeah, they're not, yeah, they're not nuanced me- negative men like they are in um, Midsommar and Ex Machina. Because I think what, like, if you're a man and you sort of want to, for whatever reason, address this issue, it's sort of what you want to do is like hold a mirror up to yourself and say, Oh, like you may think that you're the good guy because you're doing X, Y, and Z, but you're actually doing that for selfish reasons. And here's why that's actually not helpful and why it's harmful in a lot of situations. And this movie is not doing that in a clever or interesting way. It's just being like, wow, look at all these terrible, like gross men. And then I also like so the these flashbacks that we're getting are to her and her husband having this argument mm-hmm. where he says like some horrible horrible things to her yeah and is like clearly very very unwell as a person mm-hmm. like yes there's toxic masculinity at play there but i think there's also a lot of like mental illness going on mm. um you know, this is someone who's suicidal, perhaps, and and has depression, some other things. And so to then sort of, at the end of the movie, tie this together is like all of these men that she's encountering are sort of different versions of her husband is, uh, I think, a little bit like ableist in some ways, because you're Mm. like, oh, like, all of these men are bad because they're like this man who's mentally disabled. And it's Mm. like, no, that like, yes, the husband was awful to her and was probably awful to her separate from whatever he was going through. But also there was a different component to it where the creepy priest and the, you know, the racist whoever and the guy stalking her around the property, like that's not there at the same level well that's interesting because i i mean it didn't really imply mental illness straight away it, it was a controlling type of emotional abuse right where he i mean all we see is her saying i want a divorce and he's like i will kill myself which that's not always a ploy that mentally ill people use it's it's men determined to keep women staying and so i don't know if i would have read it that way I don't. Maybe I need would need to rewatch the movie again. When I watched it, that was the yeah. impression that I got from it. Um, that there that like part of the reason why she was divorcing mm. him was because like he had like mm. various issues. Yeah. But maybe I was just reading into that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's open for interpretation, which Alex uh, likes to cite as like a reason he won't answer questions about this movie is oh open for interpretation it's like reading Dubliners again I swear I just it the struggle with this was everything was so over the top but led absolutely nowhere and nothing was new like the there was absolutely no subtlety to this from the the imagery he used the apple like starting with it apple like the first the original sin it was just like and 
so many like I don't know what we'd call it, like vaginal references, like obviously. So many. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, like you have the. I mean, at the heart of it, the biggest symbols for him are the green man, which is this famous like medieval sort of pagan symbol of of a man representing new growth, which is an interesting symbol to sort of pick apart because again, that's something men in history have kind of like. Uh, appropriated from women you know the the idea that they can create life is not actually factual um but then the other the female symbol is the sheila nagig which is a (laughs) a wild uh but famous and controversial uh, i don't know draw scat statue which is basically a pagan symbol that overemphasizes the vagina the vulva and just it Critics can't, you know, historians can't decide what it means. They're they're constantly arguing it, which I think is also interesting unpacking that and what that says about how men don't know how to prescribe women and they're constantly trying to explain something that maybe they don't have any insight to be given. Um, and so I think that combination could be interesting, except he just keeps throwing it in your face every chance you get and has nothing new to say about it. There's no digging into why the green man is haunting her, why one of them is morphing into a physical like iteration of the green man. There's no exploration of what the Sheila Nagig means to him or to her. It's just there as like, oh, women, they're vessels. I don't know, women birth like life. Women bring this about like what's being birthed now. It was just like the tunnel being there, the the vicar referring to her cave. Like there was so much in this movie that was just an instant eye roll from me because it felt like it felt like first like 10th grade English symbolism, you know. And, and I think it was trying in some ways to attempt like a get out type yes. element where it's instead of a black person in a group of white people, it's this woman in a group of men and sort of even the men who seem to be friendly or well-meaning are actually like terrible people at some level. And you can't like really trust any of them, but it goes like so ham fisted Mm -hmm. and the, the ultimate like climax of it, (laughs) I think had it been more straightforward, forward horror and it's like okay these men are trying to attack her and then she sort of kills them off in more of a like um in more of a ready or not way how that that movie plays with class and sort of like how you have to get rid of the upper class people one by one it would have been better but then it sort of morphs into this very strange like sci-fi thing and the last 20 minutes is just this extended gross scene of these various men sort of like giving birth to each other but like like a snake sort of sheds its skin i guess and they keep sort of like sliding out of body parts of the others in a way that is both gross but also like ridiculous like it's not (laughs) Like, people were sort of, like, groaning and laughing in our theater a little bit, even as it was in the room with the director. Because at one point, like, there's a man standing up and sort of, like, the feet of another person, like, start, like, popping out of his mouth. Like, it's gross, but it doesn't even... It's not, like, 
saw gross. It's yeah. like so unrealistic and odd and cartoonish that it's almost oh, like I thought it was disgusting. <laughs> I mean, it's disgusting, but like it's not it's grotesque. It's it's like almost f- laughable in how interesting bizarre it is. Yeah. It was very like it like reminded first... me a lot of Mother. Like that was yes. a controversial yes. film that was like over the top and people were like, What are you trying to do? And I can respect Mother for trying with a heavy handed metaphor because it it stepped away yeah, from the also... obvious and was uh... like was like trying different things. I don't know. I watched it once years ago. But this was like even lazier than that. And it was also like trying to be more art house, like something like Jesse Buckley's um I'm thinking of ending things, which came out a couple years ago. Uh, sort of like a weird indie. I mean, it was technically a horror film, I guess. But yeah, this like just went off the rails in a way that felt very unearned. And I was like, what are we supposed to do with this? Except for the obvious, which is, oh, toxic masculinity just passes down through generations and makes us even, you know, we we pass on our own trauma. We pass on our own misogyny and it just becomes uh, demented through the year, the generations and the, the men give birth to their own, you know, <laughs> obsolescence almost. And it was just like, I was infuriated <laughs> watching it because it completely decenters the woman, which it's like, okay, fine. I guess you're talking about toxic masculinity, but you wanted to do it through the perspective of what a woman endures. And so to completely write off her character to where she doesn't say anything, she's just being talked at by these different men who are explaining why they are doing things they're doing. You know, the the good old neighbor guy is like, oh, I'll be your protector, morphs into the police officer who just like vanishes when she needs him, morphs into the teen kid who's like, why didn't you want to play with me, you bitch? And it's just like, she's just walking through the house, watching these things happen. And then the vicar suddenly trying to rape her. And she's like, I was annoyed by her lack of character, which sure, she was strong. Sure, she wasn't taking it. Sure, she was standing up for herself. But she felt so unimportant in that last half because it was just watching these men, you know, both as a literal sense, we were watching them give their speeches and morph into these weird things and watch the horror of it all. But also it was all centered on them that you just like lose the plot almost of, I don't know. I, it was just like, if you want to make a movie about what women endure, don't like write off your woman, your only woman character halfway through the movie so that you can do some splashy gore with your banana effects and like weird throbbing vaginal holes in your anus. Like, I don't know what was happening now through half of that movie because I was not watching it. <laughs> I think it like, at a certain point, I think, like, I think that the, what the director was attempting to do was, like, have all of these men, like, keep trying to, like, explain and yeah. have it be, like, actually, this is, like, you can talk as much as you want, but this, like, isn't, like, it's still bad. And she, you know, so, still, like, kills them or they die or whatever in the end. And she's the one who's, like, sitting there. So she doesn't need to explain anything because they've sort of, like, over-explained themselves yeah. into oblivion. But I... Don't know if that is how that actually, like, I think that's the idea. I don't know if how, if that worked in actual execution. Yeah. And 
yeah, just again to come back to the point of like, why is he making this? And what is it actually saying that hasn't been said before? Is it coming from a different point of view? Is it trying to give it more nuance? Is it speaking at it from a different angle? Like, is it talking to a personal experience? Like, I don't think any of it really is. And it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel introspective at all, Mm -hmm. I think, which is the point of, I think if you're a man and you want to take on this topic, you need to do it in an introspective way that's sort of like, what am, like, how am I the problem? Like, what are the issues that I am not addressing that I should be? Yeah. And I don't think that this movie is doing that. I think this movie is saying, well, other men need to work on themselves in Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z and not really looking at himself as part of the problem, which he obviously is because he's making this movie that he doesn't need to be making. (laughs) Yeah. He's like saying, Oh, I see you. I get it. I'm woke. I understand. Like, man, women have it so rough, don't they? But instead of, I don't know, giving the idea to a woman screenwriter and seeing what she could do or like setting up a director to write hit to direct his script, it's like he's centering himself by just the definitions of how he created this movie. And so I'm not like <laughs> I'm not like anti men, okay? Sometimes I might come across that way, but I believe in the in the opportunities and the nuance available to men to lead distinct and interesting lives that are of value to our society, just as I believe the same for women. And what was annoying about this movie is that he wanted to say like I get it, but he clearly didn't because all he got was women are traumatized. And it's like, yes, but we also don't turn into murderous little cads who ruin other people's lives because of it. So how about we explore why that is? Like why we spend so much time talking about like, oh, toxic masculinity is the reason these people do these things. Oh, we need to help boys. Boys are the most, white men in this country are the most depressed people in the country and we need to help them. And it's like, Sure, that's true, but let's also explore how other marginalized groups, including women, including people of color, have endured much more than have endured things at the hands of these white men and don't go on to do the inflict the same pain that the white man has. So, like, why is that? Like, why are we just well, reveling power in dynamics? This? <laughs> yeah, it's just like it reminded me of that. I don't know if you saw this viral, like. Ugh, Twitter thread about the Buffalo shooter that was like, let me tell you a story. The Buffalo shooter had a toothache. And it's like this long winded thread about like, he's not saying that he committed mass murder because of a toothache, but more that he was frustrated by this toothache and he couldn't get healthcare and our system failed him. And he turned, he fueled his hatred towards another race and decided to shoot them up. And isn't it bad that healthcare is the reason he did this? And it's like, no, so many people struggle. So many people go through these. Yes. Women are scared. Yeah. That's a real threat. It was a horrific threat. (laughs) But that's not like an allegory. Like, that's actually what happened. I mean, that's what he... Yeah, this reporter surmised through his different 4chan that he had a... The, the kid had a toothache and that that made his life miserable. And so he surmised like, oh, if he had gotten... It, it's like not even worth the time because the fact is so many people have toothaches, so many people struggle and they don't go yeah, shoot up stores. It's, uh, it's only... Only people of extreme privilege feel like yeah. when something does not go their way that they have the right to react in such a horrible manner. Yeah. And, and I 
Yeah. And sorry. I think like this director, um, you know, is like a 50, 60 year old white man. Um, how old is he? Let is me he? Look up I always name. imagine him being young. I, I imagine I he's know. 51. Oh, wow. I thought Ew. that he was, I thought, <laughs> gross. Yeah. <an> old <laughs> um, put him in the, have him jump off the cliff like they did in midsummer. Um, the, the, um, like, I think that some of these people and we run into movies and books like this a lot are, um, have never been told that their perspective on an issue like (laughs) isn't needed or doesn't matter. And so they feel like, Oh, if this is an, issue that is going on um that maybe it's something that they should be speaking to and because no one has ever told them that maybe they shouldn't and in actuality a lot of times what you need to do which is becoming trite is just like listen to other people's opinions on it Mm -hmm. and maybe not necessarily share your own even if you have one especially when you are a filmmaker like alex garland where you're getting so much money and you're you know you're, it's such an ordeal and there's only so many movies that get made every year to have you feel like you have to be the one to make this rather yeah. than somebody else is sort of crazy. Like if he felt really strongly about the issue of, you know, like feminism, there are ways, much more like concrete ways that he could have gone about supporting that. But it, like even if you look at the sort of cast and crew of the film, it's like the cinematographer's mm. a man, the mm. editor's a man, the music's by men. Like it's not, mm. it's not like he is helming a project that's most there that's very diverse. Like yeah. everybody on this list of people is a man that I can see. Yeah, um, yeah it was like it felt um, frustrating because it seemed like there was a moment where it could have shown more about the effects of these microaggressions and toxic masculinity on the woman. And like, she could have gone through a grotesque, I don't know, body morphine experience where she's whittled down to nothing by the end as these people pile on her. But instead it just takes this turn in the final half where it's like, it almost feels sneering in a way where it's like, Oh, women think they have it bad, but look at these men birthing each other and the trauma that carries on through generations as each of them have the scars of the one previous to them. And it just felt like self aggrandizing in a strange way that I felt like, what are we doing here? Like, what are you wanting me to feel in this moment? And to have it whittled down from, you know, the green man, the symbol of rebirth giving birth to, I think it's the policeman who like doubted her. And then the child who like can't even stand up because his legs are broken in the same way her dead husbands were. And then comes the vicar who tried to rape her. And then it's the nice guy. And then it's suddenly her husband. And it's like, she's not scared. And she sits down with him and she's like, what did you want? And he's just like, I just wanted you to love me. And it's like, it's all, there's also a weird racial element that I was oh, like, yeah. Mm, yeah. the husband is black, but then all the rest of these people are white, which I was. Yeah, he didn't really uh, dig into the. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, which felt sort of strange. Um, yeah. And it's and very then, gender normative. And he's not trying to combat anything except this black and white idea of man versus women, patriarchy versus feminism and like what 
what have we lost? What have we gained through this trauma and trial? And really, this movie, when you think about it, what it is trying to do is exactly what Red or Not is attempting to do. It's it's a woman who is stuck in a situation with a bunch of people who are trying to kill her. And that movie, it's a class warfare. And mm-hmm. this, it's gender. Mm-hmm. But that movie does such a good job at, at every turn of showing you how horrible and sort of laughably bad the um the upper class is and really like does not let them off the hook at any Mm -hmm. moment like even the good ones are still sort of punished for Mm -hmm. the like their crimes even as they're like not as bad as other ones and then the ending is like so strong and so much like all of these people are terrible and it doesn't like it's the kids, it's the parents, it's the everybody, it's the whole system. And then she gets to go outside and smoke by herself. And this also has that moment where it's like, (laughs) she's sitting outside the house, but you don't get the feeling that the men have been taken to task in the same way. There's like a, there's a, a, an attitude that is Alex Garland saying like, but maybe there's something here, you know? Yeah. He's like, oh, I mean, I admire the the reality that women don't get to just write off like the trauma of living, enduring uh, the patriarchy and misogyny like that doesn't go away even as she vanquishes the beast, so to speak. But it doesn't feel like that's his it doesn't feel like that's the note he's going for. I think he hopes people read it that way, but I don't think he felt that way. It just seemed like an odd ending where it's like oh man she's gonna have to live with this huh and it just is like it was weird because with something like mother it's immediately an allegory and only an allegory whereas this does have a real life sort of frame story with her dead husband and her friend who facetimes her and she has a job and so it's like so was this real was this like a mental break like what was happening and it it was hard to allow it to just be an allegory because he kept having these weird like very traditional like oh the wi-fi cuts out oh i can't send a text so it was like almost paranormal but then it didn't fully immerse itself and then the ending the friend finds her and there is blood on the floor so in some it it was real but does that mean this is just a town like the beach in old where it's just happens to be like one dude just like what was happening i don't know and then the police officer was a woman who was real and so it was like it felt like just the laziest sort of like gender theory 101 type of short story that just got a little bit (laughs) too cool for itself and didn't fully dig into things because it just wanted to be the most obvious as if that would reach its broadest audience. But it was like, well, what's the point? This movie also reminded me in some ways of um, The Northman, which also came out this year. Oh, interesting. Which I think, did you see that? I have not seen it. It's um, it's by uh, Robert Eggers, mm-hmm. who did the the witch and the lighthouse. And so both of these are sort of like directors on their like third kind of like horror film. They sort of came up at, at a similar time. And the Northman, I think, is much more concerned with like the craft of filmmaking. It's a much more like interestingly visual movie to watch than 
men is, even though men has some really strong moments in that way. But, um, but at the end of the day, it's another one of those movies where you're sort of like, okay, this was very grisly and there was a lot like happening, but like, what was the point or what was this like a message that we're trying to share here? Like what in this movie is new or interesting in any way that hasn't been done before or is, speaking to something that needs to be said and I don't think either of them really did anything that needed to happen yeah um and both of them were sort of just unpleasant two hour long (laughs) disgusting films that you got to the end and you're like okay but you could tell that the filmmaker was like wow I really did something here and you know like this has a 75% Rotten Tomato score currently and you can tell that there are people who are like wow this was genius and it's like "Mm, yeah okay yeah this is a very divisive film it has like 75% on Rotten Tomatoes but a 45% audience score it's Metacritic score, which is a more telling point of how critics actually felt, was like 66%. So mostly favorable, some really unfavorable. And I think it's also interesting. I wanted to be able to say every single man who liked it, who saw it, liked it, every single woman didn't. But there are, you know, people react to art differently. So some women did appreciate this film. I I read the critiques. I could see they're like, oh, it's bodacious. Oh, it, it lets women's like it shows the toxic masculinity. I'm like, for me personally, watching this movie was like having to hold someone's hand through like, like a conversation about gender and be like, have you ever thought about how it feels to be a woman walking the street and feeling nervous and she has to cross the street? Have you ever thought about that? And it's like the most simplistic entry point to be like, wow, I guess it would be scary to be lost in the woods and to be followed by someone and then to have that someone pop up in your house and then to be worried about them popping up in a window later that night and then to feel like you're not safe walking home from the pub because the pub people just made you feel uncomfortable because they were coming on to you even though you told them you weren't interested. And it's like, are we still having this conversation in 2022? Like people still don't realize this. Like it's just like, this is not giving us anything new and it feels so repulsive to have this story be framed as like a feminist like empowering moment to show men what it's like to be a woman and then to rob the woman of the story from any real characterization that goes beyond her interactions with the men because like technically this doesn't even pass the Bechdel test which isn't like the end all be all of films but it's kind of telling that like even in the iterations where the women talk in this film They're talking about the men and there's nothing else happening, which could have served the plot if the plot dared to dig into kind of the monotony, the the sheer amount of energy we have to put into protecting ourselves from men or perceived dangers or real dangers. But it was just so superficial and so much more focused on like the self-aggrandizing symbolism he found in dandelions and echoes and corpses that turned to rotten maggot eaten flesh and like it was just like a constant eye roll from me well you know what the good thing is Mm. is that this lost at the box office to the new down abbey movie which is incredible (laughs) and which everyone should go see and actually other good news is a24's other film currently in theaters everything everywhere all at once i think just hit the mark as their most um 
so what's the word like financially successful yes, films. most like lucrative film yeah, yeah. which is good passing and honestly, uncut, ja- uncut jams uncut jams you know because that I movie josh safty <laughs> and uncut jams that movie featuring two male directors dug into more interesting uh complexities of gender and femininity than this movie ever attempted this felt so Ugh, just sneering, condescending. Like I could say the same things over and over again because it was just like, you're giving me nothing and yet expecting praise for it, which is ironically the most hashtag yes all men like thing to do. Like <laughs> this could only have been created by a man who thought his indulgence would be received positively. Also, like, I think that there is a... There's a portion of like the gatekeeping progress i guess of where women maybe are not allowed to be or like like aren't given the money and the budgets and stuff to make big films and so you know if you're in the 80s or something maybe a man sort of has to make this because the studio won't give a money right. to a woman to make it and obviously there is still a lot of sexism going on in Hollywood, but there are also now a lot of women filmmakers, a lot of women screenwriters, a lot of women who are involved in this process, who are making movies that are speaking to this same issue themselves. And maybe like you should use your voice to amplify theirs, to shout out them or to even like hire them as your cast and crew rather than to make your own thing. That's come now competing with theirs speaking to their journey when he could have made any other movie yeah and uh, yeah it's like i don't understand but yeah i mean he could have made like a horror that was less like folky metaphor allegory and i probably would have been more forgiving but it just felt so condescending to have this man have his own aha moment where it's like wow i bet it'd be uncomfortable for a woman to just be telling her story and then have a man touch her knee or like huh, I bet it would be like unfortunate if you were just minding your own business and then were accosted by a naked man in your window. It's like, yeah, no shit, Alex. Like, congratulations. <laughs> Did you finally talk to your wife about this? Like, what What do you want? I will say, as the horror aficionado of the group, yes, please. I think that the first, the first segment is very well done. Yeah. And I even think the section in the, where it's like, there, the, the person's in the yard and the lights are flicking on and off. And then they're around the house. Like, I think that whole horror sequence is really well done as a suspenseful horror sequence. So that is going for it. I, if Alice Garland made another horror film that was not attempting this subject matter, I would definitely go see it because he is very suspenseful. The other thing. Well, have you seen hush? Cause I thought of that while I was watching this movie. Um, did he, is that one of No, his? no, but it's like about a woman. She's deaf and she's in the woods, like enjoying life. And then a murderer comes and starts stalking her when he realizes she's deaf and like taunts her. And it's very tense. And it feels like a lot of this first half where it's like, you know, something's going to go wrong, but the girls, the woman's kind of like clueless. And then once she realizes, it's like, oh, the tension and she can't get away and she can't protect herself and she can't like. I thought that was like an interesting movie that did the tension better because even though it wasn't like a gender, you know, a construct, it was like a murder movie, but I felt like it was more, it, it landed, it stuck the landing oh, a little better. Oh, it's a Mike Flanagan movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. 
but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that that was one that reminded me of like, because I agree, I thought the tension, I thought the thing this movie did well was sort of the microaggressions and the the growing frustration and impending doom as these men continued to fail her and like the touching and the the looking and the awkward landlord, like that was all really familiar. I think a woman could have done it better and added more nuance, but I thought, well, if you like that, you'd like Hush. <laughs> Yeah, it's really the last third, I think, that's terrible. The first two-thirds, I think, have good moments and are interesting in some ways. And then it's really the last, like, bit that really... Yeah, it just turns into sort of surreal, like, oh, metaphorical horror. But it's like, but what is happening here? And, like, even the he drives away just to come back. Like, it's like, well, what are these meant to be symbolic of something? Or are you just trying to get? Yeah. To like your, how like, much of this is realism versus how much of yeah. this is, this isn't like the green Knight or something right. where everything is sort of like symbolic. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say though, that's good about it is I think that Rory Kinnear's performances yes. are very strong because he has to play like 10 different characters or something. Yeah. And they're all, they're all like a very different energy and he's, bringing different things to each of them the computer generated yeah. child yeah, i think could have done without that is, well, and i, I literally laughed out loud his fault so no, much as no. just like the graphic that's what so saying bad. is is the the movie in general is so beautiful in a lot of its shots and then the weird creepy child and also the birthing <laughs> scenes just look so stupid that oh, it's like almost it's like what is this like this yeah. feels so out of place with like the general um like quality of this movie because yeah. it's not like this is a weird you know marvel movie where everything is like green screen it's like no there's these gorgeous shots of like houses and vistas and woods and trails and stuff and then all of a sudden we got this weird like computer generated <laughs> child body with the face of a grown man Horrifying. like yeah that See, was not i'm good. surprised you didn't maybe not like the ending but i wouldn't have thought it was badly done like it I hated it. I thought it was useless and overwrought and kind of enjoying its own violence. Really? That's interesting because it felt like disgustingly realistic as far as, you know, suddenly having a birth canal in your back could be realistic. Um, And I I was physically repulsed by it. I remember one scene in specifically where I think it's the little boy is giving birth to whatever the next iteration. And like, there's a close up sort of on like his like pubes and they're literally like little black, like sprinkles sort of. And I remember thinking this is so yeah, exactly. And I was like, this is not like, this is not a real body. Like none of this (laughs) looks like a real human. This all looks, it's so I mean, part of it is just that it's so, um, like, it's so otherworldly because a grown human being is giving birth to another grown human being and it's, like, crawling out of his skin. So it's, like, what does that even look like realistically? But it does not – the rest of the movie, I think, for the most part, looks fairly real. Yeah, it's And then you get these – Weird, and then you get these couple of scenes where obviously this movie did not have a huge 
computer graphics budget right. because he, oh yeah we didn't even cut a, talk about him cutting his arm in half as he slid yeah, through the night and i think that part also like <laughs> whenever we disgusting. got those like it was disgusting when it happened but then for the rest of the movie while well, the characters yeah. are walking around with this weird like sort of like half, half laid arm. arm that doesn't look real at all yeah i, I thought that that was also added to sort of like the like a laughable quality of it. I don't think yeah. that they meant it to look laughable, but I was like, this doesn't look good. And I'm, yeah, it's like taking me out of it now more. Well, and it was like, it just like, it was like 20 minutes of pure violence and like nothing new about it. It was just five men giving birth to each other. And at first it's like, you know, meant to look like it's coming from their undercarriage, but then suddenly one of them bursts from their back and then the other one, like we said, comes out of, the out of their mouth. It's like and a, I was like, well, what like this a pelican like, trying to like, <laughs> suck yeah. down a fish or it was something. like, why is this? And what's interesting is the director was like, oh, we were originally going to do like just kind of body morphing, like seeing the bones move under the skin, but it wasn't like enough. It wasn't capturing it. So I think it really was. He just wanted a provocative like body horror yes. moment in his 100%. horror film. 100%. And it's like, sure, you could sit here and analyze how it's like, oh, man, they're giving birth to their own issues. Like, oh, the generations. It's like, no, please stop. I'm not interested in this. Like, yes, that's a part of toxic masculinity that we as a society need to unpack in our patriarchal standards and the misogyny that is bred and born and whatever. But it's like, this is unnecessary. (laughs) It was too much. It was exhausting. It was not a good movie. And we will be taking it to task yet again at our end of year yeah. ranking, I am sure, where it will not fare well. Oh, I was so um, annoyed watching it. Is next week Top Gun? Top- yeah, finally. Ugh. I know. The universe was mad at me for lying last week. And it's like, you're going to watch men. <laughs> but and then we'll get to Will Top Gun pass the Bechdel test? I don't know, but well, at least it's not trying to be a metaphor about what women endure. Yeah, but I think the airplanes are the women. <laughs> yeah, they're thrown into the sky and lusted around. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, this movie happened. It exists in the world. It's very divisive. My recommendation would be to never watch it. And in fact, I wrote down like in my phone as I was watching it. I was like, if Rob likes this movie, I will divorce him. <laughs> I just have no. Like if men like this movie, I think they it's a good entry point and you should dig into why you like it more. And hopefully that points you in the direction of more nuanced and interesting and woman-led sources. Because as is, I felt like this was just completely superficial and uninteresting and had yeah, nothing to add to the Yeah, go watch the Promising Young Woman. Yeah. <laughs> Any other problematic fave. Like honestly, I'll give a list. I just, I was so irritated by this. This was like my Joker in the worst way. It replaced mm. the Joker. <laughs> I don't know. I think I still like the Joker less. <laughs> um, but okay, we'll be back next week. I think with another two episodes. I oh mean, yeah, who knows? we crossed. say this now, <laughs> but things could get. Oh well. Wait, next week is uh, Memorial Day. I think I'll still be here though on Monday. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I okay. can do it. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll see. Okay. Talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>